Yeah, this morning we, we come to Isaiah 55 for part four. We've been um, sitting that in that and then Luke's led us through that the past three weeks. So yeah, it's my real joy to, to be able to take us into the final part of uh, Isaiah 55. But just to start with this idea of, of surprise and, and, and one of my greatest passions and I believe that things that God's put on my life is, is to encourage and help people hear from God. Um, and I just love doing that with the youth ministry and with, with young high school kids because if they can begin to hear and see God at a young age, they'll, they'll develop their own relationship. Um, and it's, it's not about me or their leaders, we're there to encourage, but they will develop a relationship with God. And so God can, uh, God's ways that are so high that we've been looking at, um, he, he's just at work in ways we never imagine or dream. And so even just Lachlan's journey, um, our youth ministry is twice the size as it should be purely because of, of God just, Lachlan had no idea he'd ever work in Golston High School and he, he went there and now um, we, we see so many Golston High School kids coming through our, our youth ministry more than the previous 15 years. Um, and so we've seen Golston High Schools find Jesus, uh, high school students find Jesus and be baptised and, and I'm just surprised and amazed as, as I look at that. Um, and uh, yeah, Lachlan does such a good job. He gets invited to all these sporting events, but then every every so often, about three times a term, he'll ask me to take his classes while he's at the soccer game. And uh, I'm always like, ah, oh, but uh, it always brings me joy every time um, so that I get to pop in there. And they just they just love him. So um, yeah, we're, we're we're so lucky to to have um, yeah Lachlan as a part of us. Um, I I wasn't really into the whole royal wedding thing during the week, and um, I, I felt there was just way too much hype about it, but I feel like it was redeemed for me um, in that it seems like p- people were less worried about the dress and the wedding, and they're all talking about Bishop Curry. Um, so I just think God, he loves doing things that surprise us, and in, in one of the most ancient of traditions there in England, he just surprises us with... Um, I haven't seen the message yet, so I'm not going to quote it and act like I have. I'm looking forward to it this afternoon. I'm going to put my feet up and, and absorb some of the power of love. But to hear that the whole world, a lot of the world, were watching that, millions and millions, to think that that's the message they received. Um, God is speaking. He, he's speaking into us. And, and Luke's encouraged us to sit in Isaiah 55. And, and if you haven't yet over the last four weeks, God is loving and he's kind and he'll forgive you. But I encourage you to sit in Isaiah 55 for the next four weeks um, in your own time because I, 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 uh, I've been trying to do that and I, I don't always want Luke to lead me, but I have to and I love him and so I listen to him. So I've been thinking about Isaiah 55 for four weeks straight. And then when he said, hey, do you want to speak for the fourth week? I got really excited because I'd been like living in Isaiah 55. So um, my granddad called me two weeks ago. Uh, he's a sheep farmer down at Dalton, three hours south. And he goes, Andrew, you'll never believe it. 70 mils of rain. And I said, oh, that's great, Granted, He goes, but there's a blockage in my tank outside. And so I had to get out there, climb the tank and unblock it so I could catch 70 mils of rain. I said, Grandad, you're 88 years old. I don't think you should be out in the rain on a slippery tank. He said, oh, you're just like your father. That's what he said to me. And I said, I'm not like him. But... But I was sitting there and I was like, why is he so excited about the rain? You know, like I've moved house and just recently and my new house has a filter water tap and that's where I fill up my water bottle. I drink six water bottles a day. Why is he so excited? Why did he call me? And then I just had this moment where I realized that he's a farmer 
and the Bible's an agricultural story from ancient of times. And and for us, where I live, I just got water wherever I want. Um, I try to remember how valuable it is by drinking thank you water, which we now sell at the kiosk, which you should buy because this water blesses someone else who doesn't have water. But what was I saying? Water, the value. If you've been sitting in Isaiah 55, you'll know where I'm going. But this has been one of my favorite pictures that God's given us for a long time. But he's been, been speaking afresh into Isaiah 55. But um, in verse 9 and 10, we, we, we looked at last week that the heavens are higher than the earth and my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, Andrew and everyone. And then Isaiah penned these words that as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth and it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. And so I hung up from my granddad and I had this moment where I was just reminded afresh that, that, that I don't even need to think about water where I personally live. And for most of us, it's just there. But, but God, um, through Isaiah gave us this picture of his grace and his love that, that we just need to wake up and the world's still going. The trees are still there. Uh, we're still breathing and there's water for us to survive. And um, to see the joy that came out of my granddad who relies, his pension's getting real thin, not a lot left in the bank, and just to keep the farm going and his few hundred sheep, um, just to be able to give me a hundred bucks every time he sees me to look after me, um, he was excited that there was rain. And it's, it's these kind of pictures that can surprise us and speak to us of, of what God, who he is and what he wants to do over our lives. And, and the rain and the snow is just this picture of his grace and his love. And it can and lead us into new places. And so as, as we've sat in Isaiah and, and we've looked particularly that, that we as peop, the people of God more than ever need to thirst for him. And Isaiah says, come to me all who thirst, come to the waters. He looks at our, we looked um, two weeks ago at our satisfaction and our delight in God. And then last week we looked at his higher ways, dealing with suffering, dealing with decision making. And, and this week I was like, well, where do we land now? And I was given the final two verses, which are just this incredible picture that, that God give, gave the people um, of Israel um, there in the 8th century BC. But this picture was both to lift their eyes and lift their hope in a situation where they were struggling, but it still speaks to us today. And the words of the prophets, the prophetic heart of God, He's supernatural. He takes our natural world and he lifts us to believe in a supernatural God. The same God that spoke through Isaiah is, is wanting to speak to us this morning. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what God may place into your heart and how he might lift you from the current situation that you're facing or the current um, area or person or place that maybe you need a fresh um, grace of his water, of his rain, um, to quench your thirst or your desires or your frustrations. Because for the people of Israel, just to remind us briefly this morning, um, the northern kingdom has just been desolated by the Assyrian Empire and Isaiah covers um, across kind of the end of the 8th century into the 7th century. There's, there's 10 tribes of Israel that are now lost and disappeared. They've become exiles and scattered. 
Um, they've lost their holy city, Jerusalem. The temple's destroyed. Um, by the, this stage, at the end of Isaiah, some of them are captives, held captive by um, the Babylonian Empire. And um, we see that actually God had spoken to Isaiah and, and said that judgment was coming and that the people of the God deserved this because they'd neglected him. They'd worshipped other gods. And so God lifted up Isaiah in chapter 6 and, and said, I will, will burn my words into the lips of your mouth and you are going to speak and comfort and look after the people of God, but I'm going to have to trim them down from 100% to 10% because I need God's people to be faithful. I need them to rely on me. I need them to trust my higher ways. I need them to look to the, the, the sky and believe that the rain will come. And this was Isaiah's call and his message. You know, for us living here today, it's hard to imagine what being an exile or a refugee um, is like for us personally. But uh, in this day and age, with, with some of the world's greatest refugee crises, um, I, that we see pictures on the news that begin to help us. Um, for me, the, the clearest images I've got is there's a, a worship leader that I love um, from um, Bethel Church in America. His name's Sean Foyt. And uh, he um, shared some photos just last week. Um, he, he works as a worship leader, but he also um, um, has a particular heart for Iraq and has been raising money for the last 10 years and visiting every year. And so this was a photo of him in Mosul um, there in Iraq where he was visiting different refugee camps. And um, I was just blown away by by um, this post that he put up. And I follow him on Instagram, so I get to watch live videos of him with just little children who've lost everything and families that have lost everything. And it began to help me connect to the people of Isaiah, the people of Israel, who have lost their homes. They've been moved um, hundreds and thousands of kilometers. And, and they're questioning, is God even real? Does he even love us? How could he let this happen to us? The same questions we all face. And and so some of the photos he put up of just the ruins, children playing in a broken car surrounded by rubbish, um, temples destroyed, they began to help me connect and understand with this story that Isaiah was having to speak into. And um, for us, as we look then to the words Isaiah puts in Isaiah 55, we begin to go, wow. These words, these prophetic words from the prophet Isaiah, they were changing everything for the people that would put their trust in God. They were lifting their eyes. They were giving new hope. They were giving new joy and peace. And it's in that moment that Isaiah um, pens these words, a vision that God had given him and that we sit in this morning. And I think it's a picture that, that God has um, presented for us to, to, as a church at Dural. Um, for your family, your workplaces, your homes to hold on to. And it's an incredible picture. Um, and I'm going to read it. If you'd like to follow in Isaiah 55, verse 12 to 13. After the rain and the snow and, and the word and the purpose of God, we get to this moment. At the end of chapter Isaiah 55, we read, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You, you, the exiles of, of Israel, the people of God, you have lost everything, but you will actually go out in joy if you trust in me. 
You'll be led in peace. And these are the same words that Jesus brought and the same words we need today. Who's going to lead us into joy? No matter what we're facing, who's going to lead us into peace? But then there's this incredible picture of creation. And um, I began this week just processing and thinking, why was it so um, metaphoric? Why so many images? Why was the prophet given all these visions that would have helped the people? And what do they mean for us? Because in many ways, we live in the most rationalized, educated, information-based age. You and I are part of the Western society of very rational beings. And, and most of us, um, by our ages this morning, and um, we shut off our imagination for most of the day. But yet then when we open scripture, we see these pictures of the mountains bursting into song and the trees clapping their hands. And I don't know about you, but it takes me to stories and plays and um, novels and creative works of art that lift our eyes. And I, this line came to me this week that I had to search because I couldn't recall where it was from. And we'll look at it in a moment. But that beauty will save the world. And it was just on my heart all week. And I hadn't heard it for years. But I was just convinced that God was saying that beauty can save this world. So I got a little video. And it's a moment um, from Lord of the Rings. Because I believe Tolkien and, and Lewis, they understood what Isaiah was getting at. And so here's a, a moment in the final part of the Lord of the Rings. fans anyone few the eagles are coming this was actually a picture that a year ago that that, that god reminded me of and we used for our our summer camp at shikampo and and i saw um that those who hope um and those who put their trust in the lord and their strength will be renewed um and they will be lifted up like eagles and i saw that happen we saw five baptisms we saw seven people give their life to jesus and i've had kids still talk to me about the eagle and this picture but we, this eagle that, that Tolkien stole from Isaiah, and Isaiah stole it while he was given it from God. And there's these moments that surprise us. There in the battle, um, the battle for all of Middle Earth, the eagles came and they protected the army and led them to victory as they um, held off from the ring rats. And I can't remember what those creatures are called. I bet Eric remembers. Or are they the ring rats? Ah, the Nascori. Yeah, there you go. These crazy dark animals were defeated by the eagles. Eric's a massive nerd. Talk to him later. <laughs> and there's this moment where the eagle interrupts everything. And, and there's these pictures of grace and hope that just um, breathe new life. And so um, I've got a photo of the ants and the trees. And you might go, what do you mean that in Isaiah that the trees are clapping their hands? Because I've never grown up in a church where anyone really claps their hands. And so I'm really confused when I read Isaiah 55. But here in uh, Lord of the Rings, we see another hero, not just the eagles, but actually the trees. They come to life and they protect. 
And I began to think about the trees here in the scripture this week, that why would that give hope to the exiles, to God's people? Does that give us hope today that even the trees will be clapping? And for me, I'm excited because um, whilst I joke that maybe we're not quite a Pentecostal church that claps at at every three words, um, I believe we are a joyful community and I'm excited on the journey I've seen as we enjoy worship and as we clap and as sometimes Nell will shout out and she'll lead the way. Um, I've seen more hands raised. I've seen people begin to sing over the last few years. And that excites me because this picture that gave the people of God hope from Isaiah was that The mountains will even be singing. So I better hope that Jural will be singing. The trees will be clapping their hands and they'll be praising. And if none of you will clap, the trees will. No matter what we're facing, there's still this hope that Isaiah was breathing over the people of God. And for us, he's calling us into trusting God and praising with our bodies, with our physical expression. Because God created everything. I don't know about you, but um, I love just floating in the water. I got to do it yesterday. My mother-in-law's moved up the coast. She happened to be 10 minutes from the beach, jumped in the water. It wasn't too cold. But for me, whenever I swim in the water, I feel God. I sense God. I sense something bigger. I feel small. And so there in that moment, um, for me and for all of us, I wonder how many times do we stop and sit in creation? And we're reminded that that um, there in the Psalms, we actually read um, in Psalms 8, uh, in Psalm 8, just going to flick to it now to, to help us out, that that God's story has, has been speaking that, that creation liberates us. And, and Jesus finalized that. But um, in Psalm 8, we read these incredible words, that when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you, God, have set in place... What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels and you crown them with glory and honor. And we see that that, that the handiwork of God is over the stars. Um, Psalm 19 verse 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his hands. And so we see that creation speaks. Throughout the scriptures, over a hundred times we read to sing a new song. We read that that, that the posture of our our praise and our mouth and our words is that God is doing new things. He he wants us to sing out new songs, new thankfulness um, in our hearts. And so when we sing a song this morning like So Will I, I believe it's a prophetic new song that's been spreading around the world and that's been very, very popular. It's a very complicated song and and there's a lot of words to it, but it actually screams of the entire scripture, um, the entire journey of God's heart through creation, that, that even before humans were created, God's spirit hovered over the waters as he breathed and, and spoke. And so when we read the words that if the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. But everything exists to lift you high, then so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. And these are prophetic pictures that were throughout the Old and New Testament. That even when Jesus marched in on a donkey, that if no one would praise the name of Jesus, we read that the stones, the rocks would cry out. Creation is praising God today. 
And God's looking for us. He's looking for people to trust. He's looking for people that despite the suffering and the brokenness of earth, would we trust in his ways which are higher? Because where we live right now, this was not God's desire. This was not what he wanted. There's things that all of us have or will face that God never wanted us to face. We read in Romans 8 that the whole of earth is in decay. It's in bondage. It's groaning. It's struggling. It's suffering. And that was never God's heart. But God sent Jesus to liberate us and for us to trust that Jesus defeated all darkness and he is beginning right now with us, participating with us and with him that heaven is coming to earth and things are being renewed. God's heart and desire is that all things would be renewed. And so when we look to mountains, when we look to the ocean, when we look to the stars, it reminds us, when we look to the birds, that God feeds them. My granddad gets rain. I've got a photo in the the mountains, and it's my favorite photo. I framed it. It's from New Zealand. Simon Watts, good friend, took it. It's in the South Island. That's Emma and I. Um, It's actually a location from Lord of the Rings as well. But... um, I was surrounded by mountains and I felt like I've been in that spot all week as I read Isaiah. Because for me, if I allow myself to stop and be still, I look to the mountains and I'm reminded that his ways are higher, that heaven is higher. That the mountains will burst out into song. And that no matter what I face, I need to trust God. I need to rely on him. And that's the hope that I want to bring us for, for all of us that are facing darkness. And finally, at the end of verse 13, we read um, the power of instead. We read that whilst in exile, the vineyards have been destroyed and there's thorn bushes and there's briars suffocating and destroying things. We read that instead of that, God promises there will be juniper or furs, or new life, or flowers. Instead of thorns and and, and wastelands, instead of the pruning which God was doing to the people of God, I promise you, I will take those who are faithful, and out of you, I will renew all things. And out of that group of people that trusted God, came Jesus. And then Jesus died for all creation and all humans. And now Jesus' words and promises renew the earth and they renew us. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us and walk with us. Romans 1 verse 20 says that since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul was reminding us that we have no excuse if we're to look at the stars and creation we'll be reminded of God. But I'm not sure we ever are still enough um, to see that. And finally, an enduring sign. We read that um, this will be, all of this, this, this hope given from Isaiah to the people, this will all be for God. It will all be for the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And this brought a new hope, a new potential joy that was ahead, a new peace, a new endurance. And this lifted the people of God. And it's because of that hope that Isaiah brought that today we continue to carry the hope. And our call as a church at Dural 
to our community and beyond to the whole world is to bring this same hope. And for us today, I mean, we only just this week again are faced with just horrific images of of shootings. Um, We've talked tonight again about the refugee crisis, the famine in Yemen and, and the thirst over there is just horrific. We see the dangers still of nuclear warfare, but we see hope slightly at the moment. Um, Islam as a religion that opposes Christianity, you know, continues to grow. Um, Christianity in the rest, in the West is decreasing, but growing in the East. And, and we're looking at the world going, what does this mean for us? As we're in Sydney and looking at a more secular society, looking to our high schools, we're asking God, are your ways really higher? Is it safe for my children in high school, for my grandkids in daycare? What, Where, God, are you in this world that is still groaning and broken? And it's incredible that the words of Isaiah 55 verse 1 is, is come to me. All who are thirsty, come to the waters. That was 2,800 years ago. But then when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he penned, this, uh, he spoke the same words that Matthew wrote, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Just come to me. When he met the woman at the well in John 4, it was come to me. and I'll give you a a drink that will mean you never thirst again. And so we see the consistent heart, the never-failing love of God through Isaiah and now to Jesus, and now today through us, the church, that the message hasn't changed. The line, beauty will save the world. Um, was actually penned by uh, Fyodor um, Dostoevsky, uh, a famous um, novelist, philosopher. Some of you may have read his works, but the line, beauty uh, will save the world, actually came from one of his novels um, called The Idiot. Um, and it actually portrays a prince um, who actually had this moment where um, someone, Hans, had, had, uh, Hans Holbein the, the Younger, had painted a, a photo of Christ in the tomb. Um, we read in his novel that looking at the painting might cause one to lose his faith. The painting is a gruesome portrayal of the destructive effects of the death of Christ. Yet it's precisely in contemplating Jesus' death that faith grows stronger and receives a dazzling light. Then it is revealed as faith in Christ, his steadfast love for us, a love capable of embracing death to bring us salvation. This love, which did not recoil before death to show its depth, is something I can believe in. Christ's total self-gift overcomes every suspicion and enables me to entrust myself to Jesus completely. And the character of this story found in the suffering of Jesus the beauty and the hope that as the tomb where he lay dead became empty, that Jesus defeated death and he defeated darkness. And that through our relationship with Jesus, he brings hope to all things. And the central theme of this novel was that the beauty of Jesus can save the world. And so today we find ourselves, what does beauty look like? And it's never changed. It's The beauty is in our creator in God. And he fulfilled everything through Jesus. And so today, actually, on the calendar, it's Pentecost. And I laugh because it's been, I think, the last three years I find myself wandering the stage of Dural on Pentecost. And um, um, I was excited to be reminded this week because I hadn't realized it was. 
um, until halfway through the week. And so it's incredibly fitting and God's timing is great that tonight we see um, two or three baptisms happening um, as a part of our 4.30 service. But to give us a quick brushstroke of, of Jesus and his beauty, um, I was reminded that, that, that this moment of Pentecost came after Jesus had died and rose again and around 50 days after. But actually it all began when um, the prophet John came and he fulfilled a voice of the one in the desert that Isaiah had talked about only 800 years before. And John came and he was preparing the way for Jesus. And then Jesus came and the, the angels spoke to the shepherds and the angels said, don't be afraid, I'm bringing you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. And Jesus was born. Jesus grew up to live this incredible life. And, and, and there are these moments that just changed everything. And Jesus just interrupts what was happening. And so in a moment of darkness in John 8, uh, where the Pharisees were ready to stone a woman, um, they, were, they were ready to stone her. She was caught in adultery. They believed she had sinned. And Jesus stepped in there prophetically. He stood down next to the woman and he drew in the sand. And it was, was this moment of love and grace. And eventually he said, if, if any of you are without sin, then you can throw a stone. And he kept drawing in the sand and he looked up and everyone had disappeared. And no one stoned this woman because we were all with the sin. And we see that Jesus' love for that woman was the same love God has for us all in this prophetic moment where he just stepped in and protected her and loved her. That was in John 8. Um, then in John 10, we, we see that, that Jesus came to bring life and life to the full for the whole world. But he warned us that the thief, the enemy, darkness, Satan, it's game, his game is predictable. He's come to, to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give full life. John 15, he calls us to remain in him, trust in him and he'll bear fruit through us. And finally, before Jesus died in, in John, there's a, between John chapter 15 to 17, there's these incredible words that Jesus speaks and breathes life into his disciples, his closest friends before he dies. And he says, I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave you, but I'm going to send you another, a helper. He'll lead you into truth. He will point you to me. He will teach you everything that God has taught me. And he's the Holy Spirit and he's your helper. Then Jesus went on to die, he rose again, and 50 days later came Pentecost. And there at Pentecost, we see the believers hiding in a room, scared because Jesus had died. And there on Pentecost, 2,000, less just under 2,000 years ago, around 33 AD, a wind thundered through this room, tongues of fire sat on the people of God, Tongues spurted out in many different languages that were understood by all the ancient tribes and tongues. People were brought to Jesus from every tongue and nation. And there at Pentecost, Peter stepped up and he preached. And on that day, 3,000 were saved and baptized in this incredible moment that came true, that the Spirit was poured out. And so in Acts 2.17, we read the first words um, that, that Peter preached. And he quotes the prophet Joel, not Isaiah, but Joel this time. And he, he speaks these words. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And we see this incredible moment that the spirit of Jesus has now made us all prophetic. We all have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus living in us. And we're all called to live prophetic lives that point the world to God. In the Old Testament, there was Isaiah and a chosen prophet to be the voice of God. But now today for us, Jural, you are all the voice of God. Into your workplaces, your family and friends. All sons and daughters will have prophecies and visions and dreams. And and this morning, I want us to be inspired by Isaiah and the imagination and, and God speaking to him as he spoke to then Jesus and then the disciples who spread the church to today. But I want to call us as a church to become prophetic people. To trust that God is in our minds and our hearts and he's wanting to speak through our tongues. And I want to call us into speaking into each other's lives. Because the power of prophecy can overcome anything. It allows us to see ahead. It allows us to see forward. It gives us new hope. Paul, when he wrote to the church of Corinth, he said um, in 14 verse 1, Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Because the one who prophesies speaks to the people for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. When I was taught this at age 20, this changed my life. When I was told that God lived in me, And that the words I spoke, if I was to listen to God and and to trust him, that could change young people, old people's lives forever. Anything I ever speak, I will test against the word of God because the word of God is sufficient and final. And I test everything I ever speak with the truth of the Bible. But we're all called to speak words of life and hope and encouragement, prophetic words. And I wonder what it would look like if as a church we were to step into that more this year and beyond. I've got homework for you all. I'd like you this week to pick two people that you are going to message or phone call or email and encourage them. I'd like you to spend some time asking God for a scripture or a picture. It might be the eagle, it might be the tree clapping his hands. It might be something else that God fills within your imagination. But I'm convinced if we were all to live a life where we were constantly encouraging and strengthening and comforting each other, our boldness, our faith would rise and we would begin to reach more of Dural and beyond. That's a little bit of homework. Is that okay? Can I get a few nods? Thank you. Good nods. Two people. And so... We looked at the song, So Will I. I'm convinced that's a prophetic new song that God's speaking through and it's helping remind us of God's story. I've been amazed. Um, Just two weeks ago, um, Sam and Courtney, two of our young leaders, were married. And there was this incredible moment where Sam's mother gave a speech at the wedding. And um, she brought her son to tears there at the reception. But her mother chose to make a short speech, but she chose to bring a word that was on her heart from God. And she spoke this word over Sam and Courtney that they would be game changers. She spoke it with boldness and with faith and with truth. And if you've ever met Sam and Courtney, they're they're only 21 years old, but um, they're a lovely young couple pursuing God. 
and, and, and um, her word was that they would change the game, that they would help people see Jesus' love in a whole new way. And I believed it. And it sounds like something Jesus would want to do, so I affirm it. And the whole room agreed with it. And it was the power of the prophetic there at a wedding, out of nowhere. It's not about the wedding dress, but suddenly everyone's talking about Bishop Curry because God wants to surprise us. Four years ago, someone came up to me and, and a church back in the activity center and they said, I see the youth ministry and you're all covered ankle deep in water, but it's starting to rise. And there's going to be new things and new rivers that God wants to do. I wrote that down. I began to believe in it. And four years later, I've seen change and growth um, where the prophetic words have come true. I got a photo of a, a haven of a beach and a bay. Uh, last July, our whole team went to Avoca and there were three people that came and prayed over our team. And they said that Chicago youth, God's calling you into a season where you'll be a refuge. You'll be a safe haven. We believed it. We see a whole range of variety of kids that have no house and kids that have $3 million homes. We have um, incredible amounts of, of brokenness that come through our doors. And the, since we received that word that we would be, see, be a safe haven, I've seen more in the last nine months of brokenness and things that have made me cry than ever before. But God's been preparing our team to care in new ways, get new training to be a safe haven. And I share these just as stories to excite us and to invite us into listening to God as I land this morning. I wonder what, what, what word or what picture do you think God is, is bringing to your mind and hearts this morning? The words of Isaiah, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Can I ask the band to come on up? And I'd just like all of us just to close our eyes just for, for a minute and just imagine with God this morning. What scripture or what picture of hope is God speaking or breathing into you this morning? I want to ask Jesus just to to speak into your imagination, into your hearts this morning. Jesus, would you fill our minds and hearts? Thank you that you've poured out your spirit on all sons and daughters. Thank you that we are all given the heart of Christ, that we all become one in Christ, and that through Christ Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we become one family of God. This morning, would you fill our minds with something to give us hope, something to guide and lift us ahead? And Lord, as we are filled with you this morning, would we pour out into others this week, today? 
In Jesus' name, amen. The trees are clapping. Thanks, Nell. Let's all stand and um, we're going to sing. But um, yeah, just encourage us now to continue to just connect with God.